1 Kings chapter number 18. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message tonight, if you're physically able. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight. Lord, we thank you for these that have, uh, uh, Lord, uh, made their journey to your house, Lord, to worship you and to hear more about your word. God, I pray that you would lead us, guide us, direct us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd loose this tongue, let it go, hide us behind Calvary's cross. And Lord, we'll surely be careful to thank you, praise you, give you glory and honor for all you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Then the fire of the Lord fell. God is not dead. Although uh, some of us act like He is, uh, He's not dead. Uh, The same supernatural God that helped Elijah... And here in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, it's the same supernatural God that can help us in 2014. And in this message, we're going to see how Elijah proved to the people that God is uh, an all-powerful God uh, and is alive and well. And God has always been a God of fire. If you'll look throughout the scripture, you'll see several instances where God used fire. Uh, to get the attention of those uh, that were in their presence. Uh, But we may prove to the world tonight that God is alive uh, by our daily living. Uh, Now, if we live like hell itself, uh, we're not proving anything to anybody. uh, uh, We're not helping anybody. uh, But if we will live a godly life and live according to thus saith the Word of God, uh, uh, just maybe your life will bring attention to the Lord Jesus Christ as it should, and you may be able to help someone else in their journey toward the kingdom of God. Uh, They may need uh, that encouragement and they may say, well, if Harold Perry can live for the Lord, uh, then I should not have a problem living for God. If Maxie can live for the Lord, uh, then I should not have a problem uh, living for God. It's all about holding on to that testimony and keeping that testimony uh, to where we can share it with others that are around us. God is a God of fire And where there is fire, uh, uh, there seems to be excitement sometimes. Uh, uh, If you see smoke, a lot of people will go and look and see what's burning. Uh, uh, If the uh, the big deal with the kids today is, oh, we're going to go over to so-and-so's house and we're going to go in the backyard and we're going to have a a bonfire. Now, I don't know why uh, they'd want to go and uh, uh, watch a bunch of sticks burn and uh, get all that smoke on their clothes, but uh, I guess they like roasting marshmallows and weenies and all that stuff and I hope there ain't nothing ungodly going on uh, uh, around the bonfires. Uh, uh, But the fire uh, uh, seems to cause uh, uh, some excitement every once in a while. But I want us to look and journey throughout the Word of God uh, specifically here in 1 Kings uh, uh, chapter number 18. I want you to look with me at verse number 21 where we can see that there is a decision uh, that 
that's going to have to be made. And the Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long have ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered Him, Not a word. Elijah is throwing out a choice. Either serve God or serve Baal. Both God in heaven and this idol God Baal, both of them cannot be right. Elijah said, let's see who is right. Is it going to be the God in heaven or is it going to be Baal? Listen, there'll be times when you'll have to make decisions in your life where you have to make a choice. Am I going to stand with God or am I going to stand with the world? Am I going to make a godly decision or am I going to make a a worldly decision? There is a choice that people have to make. uh, Just as these had to make here in 1 Kings, uh, uh, we have to make some choices in our life. Uh, What school are our children going to be attending when they have to make those choices? Who am I going to marry when that time comes? Uh, Where am I going to work? What is my occupation going to be? Where am I going to go to church? Uh, How am I going to worship? Uh, Where am I going to worship? There's choices uh, that people have to make and some of those choices will affect people for eternity. There's not only a choice, but I see a consecration in verse number 22. He says, Then I said Elijah unto the people, I even only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Baal the idol had 450 prophets. Elijah was the only one who was on God's side. As a Christian, there'll be times that you'll have to stand alone many a times. But the thing is, Christ will stand with you. Uh, There's been times in my life uh, during the ministry where I've had to take stands uh, and those stands be unpopular. Uh, there'll be times in your life where you'll have to take a stand for what's right uh, and it won't be the popular stand. Uh, you may be standing alone, uh, but one gracious thing about it is this. Uh, our God in heaven uh, will stand beside you uh, if you'll stand on the Word of God uh, and believe that it is true. Amen. I come to the conclusion Not too long ago, most people don't care where you stand. But I care. I want to be with the in crowd. The in heaven crowd. The in Christ crowd. There's a consecration there. But look at verses 23 through 24. You'll see the challenge. The Bible says, let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire Let him be God. 
And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Both the worshipers of Baal and Elijah who worshiped God. Remember, Elijah is standing alone. They would both make a sacrifice and the God who answered by fire would prove to be the one true and living God. The God who answered by fire would be the one that is true. Jesus said we could not serve uh, uh, two masters over in Matthew chapter 6. Also Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 12 uh, that he that is not with me is against me. Uh, We can't serve uh, uh, the God of heaven and this world uh, in the same breath. Uh, uh, You will get damaged uh, on both sides. Uh, You can't uh, love one and love the other because your true colors will eventually uh, show out uh, as they truly are. It doesn't take long uh, for God to separate uh, the men from the boys is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the, the real ladies away from the ones that are not so real. It just takes uh, uh, the faith in the true and living God. Uh, he says, I'm going to separate uh, uh, the sheep from the goats sometimes. Hey, listen, there's going to be a day coming. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The goats being the world. The sheep being part of God's flock. You know the ones that, think about it. You know the shepherds that or the sheep that have the greatest advantage today or the sheep that stay closest to the shepherd. Yeah. Why is that? Well, the animals are not going to come to the sheep as long as the shepherd's standing there. They're going to get help and they're going to get aid from that shepherd in their journey as they may be walking from one pasture to the next. That shepherd and his staff and his weapons, maybe his slingshot in those days, whatever it may be. If a wolf tries to come out after those sheep, he would ward them off. But he would look, that enemy would look at the shepherd and know that those sheep were surrounded by the shepherd and he would not go after after those sheep, but he goes after those sheep that have gone astray. I look amongst the congregation tonight and I just wonder how many are wandering without a shepherd. Wandering uh, uh, without any protection. Wandering without any help. uh, uh, Wandering without uh, uh, the Word of God being applied uh, unto their hearts. You see the decisions that have to be made. But number two, I want you to see the deadness. First Kings chapter 18 in verse 25, you'll see the plan. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourself, dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your God. But put no fire under. But then the peril there in verse 26. And they took the bullock which was given them. And they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning 
even until noon. Saying, O Baal, hear us. There was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. They prayed and prayed and prayed, but no answer came. They're falling into peril. Baal was dead. He had no life. He has no life. There was no life. He was made with humans' hands. And today, many people still worship a dead God. If they uh, are worshiping the material things of this life, uh, they are worshiping a dead God. If they are worshiping those little statues that's in the Chinese restaurant, uh, they are worshiping a dead God. You want to make the, them folks really mad when you go eat the Chinese food. Now, I like Chinese food. I ain't got nothing against the food, but I do have something against the God that they serve. Because yeah. He's not real. And they got Buddha sitting right up there by the cash register. Yeah. That one over there at Poppy Square, he's got just about enough of, uh, edge on his lip. You can put one of them gospel coins right in his mouth. Or slide a little track right in there and let him hold on. Listen, but the thing is, that gospel coin and that track can't save something that's already dead. And I I don't understand how people can go through this world worshiping something that's not going to benefit them in the spiritual world. My friend, the deadness of it all, he was dead. Then I see the persecution in verse 27. It came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey or pre-adventure. He had sleepeth and must be awake. Elijah mocked these people praying to a false idol. I guess that's just what I've done by preaching against a dead God. He's trying to tell them. He's trying to wake them up. Look, go ahead. He must be off doing something else because he's not answering you. Aren't you glad we've got a God that's not going to be busy somewhere else when we can go to Him and He can hear us at the time that we call upon His name? Say, God, help me. And He's there to help you. Thanks be unto God tonight. I know that uh, there was an evangelist out of uh, Mississippi, and his name is uh, has left me here for the moment. But he told the story about uh, he was riding down the road, and uh, his name's Levon Boltner. Some of you probably have heard of him. Uh, but he was in Mississippi, is where he lived. He traveled this country all over, pulled a trailer behind him, and he, he lived in that trailer. Him and his wife, even his wife, when she was living, uh, would uh, stay in that trailer with him, and she was a uh, uh, wheelchair bound, if you would. 
And uh, uh, we, uh, he began to tell that story as we listened to him to preaching. And, and he said, you know what? Sometimes you just don't have time to pray for all the missionaries. And I got to thinking, why ain't he having time to pray? And he said, sometimes you don't have time to pray for everybody in the church. Uh, he said, but I got in my truck one day. Uh, it had been raining for several days really hard down in Mississippi. And he said, I went over this one lane bridge, this wooden bridge. And he said, when I went on top of that bridge, uh, the the bridge began to fail and the truck began to turn over into the river that was running below that bridge. And when it flipped over and turned over, he said, I didn't have time to pray for everybody. He said, I just said, God help me. And he said, before he knew it, he was done coming out of the window and he was standing on top of the bottom of that truck uh, waiting for somebody to come by and rescue him. That's the God that we serve tonight. Hallelujah. The persecution. But look at the panic in verse number 28. I love it the way God puts all this together. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. These worshipers, in their desperation, cut themselves... Feeling that their God would have pity on them and answer them. Now that's why they done it. They wasn't doing it for a show. They didn't do it because they was mad at their God. They done it because, well, if we, they, He sees us bleeding and in dire help, they'll, He'll show up. And they cut themselves uh, out of desperation. Uh, boy, I'm telling you what, I hate to know that I would serve a God tonight that wouldn't come and take care of me when I called on Him and I'd have to cut myself or make myself sick for Him to come to me. That ain't the God that I serve tonight. I serve one that's there all the time. But look at their plight. In verse 29, And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. Amen. Their plight is this. They prayed all day. Still no answer came. How can a dead God answer prayer? Amen. I'm glad my God's alive. Yeah. He overcame death. He conquered it all. But look at the demonstration, number three, and the particulars of it in verse number 30 and 31. The Bible says that Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me, and all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Remember, they was jumping on it, leaping on it, trying to get something started. Verse number 31. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. The broken altar was repaired. Those people had forgotten God. But then they began to remember God but they also remembered their past godly leaders. Look at the plan that's taking place here in verse 32 through 35. 
And when the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels of water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about, ran around about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. So the trench was made around the altar. The wood and the animal was put on the altar. Then twelve barrels of water were poured over the sacrifice. And keep this in mind as I studied through this. I love this passage. I've preached from here uh, many a times. A barrel of oil, or a barrel of water if you would, would contain 43 gallons. That's about 516 gallons of water that was poured on the wood poured on the sacrifice, and poured on the trench around it. Why do you think Elijah did that? He was going to make sure that those people that were there knew that when God came down, it was God and God alone. He was going to prove to those people that uh, uh, there was not going to be any type of sorcery that was going on. And in these days, there were sorcerers. They were uh, magicians of some sort that would uh, pretend like they do things. And uh, it wouldn't have God in it at all. And it would be that of Satan himself. Uh, But my friend, he wanted to make sure, Elijah wanted to make sure uh, that the people knew that it was all God that would come down and consume That sacrifice. You see the particulars. You see the plan. But I want you to see the prayer. Verse 36. And 37. And it came to pass. At the time of the offering. Of the evening sacrifice. That Elijah the prophet came near. And said Lord God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel. Let it be known this day. That thou art God in Israel. And that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. It began with the word Lord and then God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It ended with the words, Thou hast turned their heart back again. It was a short, simple, and sincere prayer. And if I counted correctly, that prayer was 63 words long. We don't have to have... A huge, grammatically correct prayer for the Lord to understand what we're praying for. You, did you know that many a people can pray tonight and not utter a word? Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? 
And can you imagine an individual that would come to an altar of prayer and would do nothing but bawl their eyes out and cry? They said nothing. But God looked at them and said, I hear exactly what you said. You know why? Because tears are a language that God can understand. (laughs) So he looks down and says, I hear you. I hear you. And the Bible even tells us, Steve, there'll be times when we pray that we know not what to say. And we just, Lord, I don't know what to say, but you know the mess I'm in. I need help. And then you cry and you weep and you just pour your heart out to God. And then all of a sudden he says, I hear you. I hear you. That's the prayer. But look at the power in verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. This is what gets me right here. And the wood. And the stones. Who said stones and brick can't be burnt? Well, if God's putting the fire on it, it can. So the burnt, the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust. (laughs) The dust of the ground. But I like the next part. And licked up the water that was in the trench. (laughs) Uh, You try to get Houdini to pull that one off. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. The fire fell and destroyed the sacrifice, even the water which was poured over it. Then, I encourage you to look at verse 39 and 40 at the people. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. They began to say that the Lord is God. And then Elijah told them that began to believe to take the prophets of Baal and slay them. Elijah meant business. We couldn't do that in today's fashion. That'd be like us going over to the Jehovah Witness and busting in and say, okay, folks, put a bullet in every one of them's head. Can't do it. Can't do it. But there's nothing wrong with telling one that doesn't believe about Jesus. Nothing wrong with telling them about Christ. The question is, is God living within you? Or do you serve a dead God? God wants to live within you. He wants to live within me every day. And when He lives in you, it's easy to prove to others that God is alive. 
Elijah walked and he talked with God. So when he needed help, he prayed a short prayer and God in return answered him. He had the proof. How many a times that we wanted to just let people know and should have let people know that the God that they're serving is dead and yet we didn't get across to them enough for them to understand and know that we serve the one true and living God. Folks, this story here will probably be one of the greatest stories in the Scripture, the Old Testament for sure. And a message or Scripture that we should look upon ever so often to where we can examine ourselves to see what we're doing for God. I hadn't seen nobody pray fire down from heaven lately. But you know what? We could. Yeah. <laughs> we could. But the sad part of it, Brother Gerald, is this. We could stand out in the middle of New York City tonight, say we're going to pray fire down from heaven. Yeah. Just us here, get in a circle and pray. And then if fire came down from heaven, Lit up Times Square. Knocked the clock out of working order. People still wouldn't believe. They still wouldn't believe. I used to think, Brother Maxie, that they, you know, they might would have been an opportunity if God would just open up the earth, let people look down into hell and to see the torment and the torture that's going on down there. Just maybe some people would get saved. But you know what? They wouldn't. Remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? Let some of us come back from the dead to tell them, tell my brothers. They don't want to come to this place of torment. What was basically told to them. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them tell them. And though that you, if if you was to come back from the dead, it wouldn't make any difference. Same way. These prophets of Baal, 450 of them, after they lost this battle with Elijah and the true God of heaven, it didn't mention that any of them were converted from what they saw. From by what they saw. It didn't happen. It didn't take place. And they lost their life because of their unbelief. I'm glad that we can touch heaven from time to time and ask God to breathe fire down upon us. And you know, sometimes he does. It may not be a literal fire. But boy, you know when it hits your heart and what he does. You stand tonight. As they come get us a song of invitation, we'll pray.